0: I did not get fully through the introductory part because I did this uh, 20-minute test with you. uh, How many felt that it was somehow uh, too much asked? For example, how many feel that they know about the pro- uh, conditional probabilities? Raise hands. Okay. Uh, we, we don't necessarily, we will not learn if your algorithms too much, or data structures, too much. So, uh, in a way, uh, I would assume that you know how to traverse the graph depth first, how would you traverse the graph breadth first. Uh, the probability uh, you have in the first week, the homework sessions about the probability, and you will have to learn about conditional probabilities. Um, so what is the probability that this coin, when I toss, will fall down? 100% 1. 100% uh, 1. What is the probability of heads? <coughs> Who votes for a heads in here? Half of you should uh, vote for heads. <laughs> Hens it was, two Swiss francs. <laughs> uh, if I toss the coin again, what is the probability? <laughs> Sorry? We don't know whether it's, whether it's fair Heads. It's again, Hens. It's great. What is the probability? Some people don't know if this is magic coin or not, right? What is the probability? Heads. Heads. <laughs> it's close to you try to predict future very easily. I tell you what says that it's always heads, right? Heads it is. <laughs> And, and the other side has the, the lady the goat is tape. So so how to prob- the next one? What is the movie? Does it depend on the previous one? No. 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 It shouldn't. Yes? For how long I can trust my luck that I will keep throwing heads? Forever. I would not bet my head on that. So conditional probability. We have had three heads in a row. The last row was heads. What is the conditional probability of heads now? 50%. Conditional probability given the previous is heads, Conditional probability given what we have witnessed three times head in a row. What is the conditional probability of head, given that the previous one was head. Come on, you know the answer. What? Because the two events are independent from each other. The probability of heads is 50%. It does not depend on the previous one. The conditional probability is still 50%. And now it's tail. Uh, ok, I'll I've, I've do the following. Ok, you know the probability in, for Hayes and tail is 50% conditional of all the previous uh, throws. It's still 50%. It's a fair coin. Right? They are independent. <coughs> Uh, it's tail. But now conditional probability of the next event, given the tail. If I turn the coin around, what is the conditional probability of having the tail? It was tail? It was tail. Zero. Zero. It changed. It depends on the previous row. Uh, You're so certain that the throw will be hairs or tails, but if I do it like that, but if I throw it to ground, there is a probability that it will stay on the corner, especially go to the snow. It will stick to the snow and it will not be hairs or tails, there is some probability of that as well. In here it may be very minor. So we need to know what are all the events, what are the possibilities, opportunities, and count probability of every uh, event. And then maybe we take into account the past events, right? Maybe there is dependency from the past. So so in here on the task you tried very hard to say that okay there is always well many of you actually wrote tail in here. Saying that oh there is two heads already there must be tail, right? The the only fair thing in here would be to count Okay, it's, it's a lucky coin. coin. It, it may be that it has bias in the, in the throat, right? And the bias was clearly for the head. It, if the events are totally independent, its heads are just more frequent and it would be the next, would always be head. Uh, We need that. Do, do you know this puzzle about the, what's ever? Do you know you can Google for for the for the name? There are the, there is also one some TV show I think in states where you have three doors. Sorry, Monty Hall problem. and uh, two of those has the pot of gold no sorry one yes. and yours one you know one of those has let me put one uh, pot of gold behind one of those i know where the gold is <coughs> now the task is that for you, what is the you can pick arbitrarily. What is the probability of hitting the goal? Uh, where do we put the bet? Where do we put the bet? Can can you make a collective vote? Who votes for one first? Who votes for second? And for third? It seems that the second one won, right? It seems that the second one won. You, you collectively, you bet, you made your bet, one third bet in here. Uh, I can show you. Uh, open this door, and it is empty. Empty set yeah. no. And now you are asked what to do next. What is your probability to win? 66. Six. No, if we change, then it's 60. Well, we it really is a random choice. And now there are two, well, now there is head and tail option in a way, right? But which chose when it was three options. Now it's we have two and we have changed. You seem to know everything about the probabilities and conditional probabilities. Inconsistent about uh, writing it down on paper. Um, so what? What would you do now? Choose the right one. Choose the right one. Yeah, one of those is right. The other is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the right one. You would. You would say that, that bet was wrong, and you would move it now there, for certain. There is 50-50, but if somebody enters the room, and sees that, okay, one of those has a pot of gold, what would you do? Then it's 50-50. Then it's 50-50. You, you don't know the preconditions. He did not know the previous everything that we discussed in there. but we, we had made our bets and uh, we show that this is not in there, and now you tell that it would be much higher chance somehow to actually make the belt in here, right? And, uh, okay, let's open this door, and I have kept it empty. Um, What is the probability in this game to, to win the gold? Around 60%. No, to 30%. Sorry? 33%. We have three doors. In the beginning we have three doors. And in this game, your task is, well, you can, you can earn money, right? What is the probability? You can play your cards right. What is the probability that you will get the money? Two thirds. Is this intuitive? You have three doors. You make your first bet, which is one third choice, and suddenly it becomes, becomes two thirds. Does everybody understand this thing? Why is it two thirds now? Because the solution is. Yeah, <laughs> no, but why is it like that? Because we open one door. Because... Okay, intuitively what happens is that we have one of those with the, with the code, right? That means when we make the first bet Uh, we have only one third opportunity to hit the right one. And two thirds uh, that we have chosen first or the second, the wrong option, right? But once you broke the select one or the other, what the host does, he or she knows whether good is or is not, right? You bend it in here and I just showed that yes, in here that it's not. Yeah. But it was would have been also the other one. Other way right, so it was two thirds. Option that I had uh, selected one of the two empty choices, two thirds. Option right, and if this happens, I already know this was two thirds, therefore, two thirds that the goal was here, not one third. <coughs> so, probabilities can be, uh, yeah, and then there are variations like. Uh, like uh, like uh, in in theory, if I had not known where the where the gold is, I had opened by accident this one, then it would not be as certain as in here, because I could have accidentally opened this one, right? And 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 uh, and this thing, yeah, kind of you have to make some assumptions about the events. <coughs> and know about are they dependent from each other or independent. Uh, so probability of A, conditional probability of A given B, is that B has already happened and we ask, after B has already happened, what is the probability of A? And uh, I think uh, at least good half of you uh, wrote that. Uh, that text, although conditional probability was mentioned by only a couple of you. Uh, Then why do we care in the data mining about these probabilities? Because we somehow have to assess the probability if we make some prediction for future we have to base it on something we have to we have to make uh, somehow be able to calculate what is the probability that I'm going to be correct or incorrect in my prediction right or if I find something in the in the data i would I would ask what was the probability that I would have witnessed this pattern or feature from random crap you throw the well, like was it surprising that I had three Heads in a row. I could do again three rows. Uh, head, uh, well, three throws. What is the probability that I would get three heads? But if I if I do it millions of times, how 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 frequently, how often I would get three heads in a row? Is it surprising if I if I do it a million times that a couple of times I get three heads? It's not. So that would be uh, something that would be the data by necessity. We have to make you have to be able to somehow assess what is the probability that what we observe or find from data is somehow interesting. It would have very low probability to occur by chance. That is kind of called p-value or probability, that this occurs in chance if the data would be random. Uh, then uh, by the way how is our uh, exercise going for you the two groups have happened right you have managed to install you have managed to managing, managing to do something you know um, okay Now, next, I did ask about the graph traversal. With the graph, you start from some node. And I don't show you the rest of the graph. So how do you traverse, how your program traverses the graph? How do you go, well, if you go depth first, you start looking, okay, what is the, the first child of one of the neighbors, first neighbor, right? You go to that neighbor, that, that, neighbor. what is that? I go that first, I just follow the first link. Uh, I, I find this thing, right? <coughs> I, I find this thing, I go that first, if I can I move away, I, I go this way, I come here. If the link goes there, I have to No, Oh oops, I have it there already. So let's let's not go there, right? And then you observe um, the next neighbor if you go there, and maybe maybe this has so or again links over to those places where you have V so you don't follow those links, then you, it doesn't have any neighbors, then you backtrack with the recursion, you just say that I'm done with this node, you go up there, that was the second link, and then you follow the third link, right? You move away as much as you can. You just write a recursive program, once you have followed everything, you come back to this node, and then you open up the next link from here. It's not complicated right? Now, if we have the uh, the breadth-first search, then what do we do then? Then we look at all the neighbors of the node immediately, that are hop 1 from me, right? From the the beginning, hop 1. And then I want to go Hop 2, sort of the second part, And this may be to here, but then I have to recognize that, oh, I have already processed everything that is one step away. I have been there already, so I, don't, I know that this node is being taken care of. I don't need to do anything in here. So I, I, I open up these nodes, then I look at their neighbors in here. Then I look at the neighbors in here, maybe sometimes I have even already there, maybe not. So the first round, the second hop, the third hop, and that's how you explore the graph. Right? You go this, and all this around, then you go next step around, etc. And in order to do this, uh, how to you write your program which data structure you would use. No. Wrong answer? Q. Yes. Because you queue up everything that you will open up, and you know that from the queue you fetch all of these, you process everything that is now uh, opened up so far, you look at the neighbors, you put the neighbors at the end of that from your, from, from your side, you put at the end of the queue, you consume everything that three hops, and you put everything that four hops in the queue, And then you start processing those which are four hops away from you. Uh, What happens with the the Dijkstraat A a star is that uh, these uh, connections may have weights. Uh, Elba and Pulsama are at very different distances from Tatu. Or no, Elba, Pulsama. The the closest, then the these hops become somehow the distances based on how, what is the length from the from the center, right? And if we want to explore if this is a weighted graph, then we want to explore first the, the the most nearby node, and then we expand that one, and maybe maybe there, and maybe maybe if we find that next closest in here, right? So you just expand the same way one hop, hop, two-hop, three-hop, but not by by how many steps it's in the graph, but how far it is from the starting node. And in order to use that, which, uh, which data structure would you use? Back there, in the blue, yes. Which data structure would you use? What is the algorithm called that I described? And which data structure would you use? You know programming, right? You know Java, you know C? A little bit of C. A little bit of C, excellent. So which data structure would you use? Um, Array of something? Array of something. Uh, Anybody wants to help? Yeah, you are not a programmer, you know. What is the answer? answer? How do we know in the large collection of nodes which one is the most closest to the closest to the to the center from where we started to explore the graph? How do we keep all the nodes that yet have to be explored and find the the, the closest from that data structure? Priority queue of some sort. That is a priority queue. Yeah. With not the queue where you, you put well, first in, last. The first in, first out is, is the queue, right? Uh, the the oldest one will come out first, and in the stack, the last in comes out the first. In the priority queue, the, the highest priority one comes first, right? And the priority is by distance, the closest distance, then that one comes up out, out first. And this you can use the array, which is called binary heap. You don't use the tree with the pointers. You just use binary heap in the array, but the concept is that it is a tree structure, and that is called the Dijkstra algorithm. It calculates shortest paths from node to any other node, so between A and B, it will find the shortest path, right? How many of you knew the Dijkstra algorithm? I, I think one quarter perhaps surprisingly many of you knew something about A star and nothing about Dijkstra algorithm. What is A star? Anybody there? speak up? A star? No idea. A star is essentially a modification of Dijkstra that also uses heuristics. So if Dijkstra just um, uh, works with the uh, information so that's met. So essentially, it uh, tries to build shortest paths first. Then A star also tries to estimate that probable distance of the path that is not yet known. Yeah. So it tries to use some heuristical function to uh, predict the possible length, total length of the path. So, unlike that. so imagine that this is Tartu, right? We started to go by roads out of the different street road, roads to different towns from Tartu, right? And I said that this is a way to calculate from a, a distance from A to B, right? shortest paths to every city in Europe uh, is included, from A to B is included, right? If we have only the graph and distances, we have no clue, does this rate, uh, take us to the destination or that path, right, to some node that is in here? From this description, you have only visual thinking that maybe you should go that direction, right? But in fact, this node could be directly connected to that, right? So if if you know something about the geographic position or estimation of the distances, asking the shortest path from from Tartu to Paris, we don't need to calculate distance to Saint Petersburg although St. Petersburg is much closer to Tata than Paris. Then we, then we know something about, about, uh, about the distances. If, even if you, if you would go to Narva and ask what, how much remains to St. Petersburg, you know that Narva is already pretty far away. Why would we go to St. Petersburg if, if we wanted to go to Paris? Right? We, we, we can estimate the, the direction in which we want to move. But all the rest is the same. Not only the distance from the from top to this place, but also the remaining distance, the potential remaining distance. And we have to make some assumptions. It has to be. We need to know the 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 optimal. And this is by geographic coordinates. We know the direct if there would be the. There is no direct road uh, to Paris, but we need to know that at at least that amount, right? If you go to the wrong direction, your at least business will grow. So it's just traversal of the graph, but trying to estimate the correct direction. Uh, Okay. Uh, If we can make it today, then we. explore some graph in depth-first or breadth-first or order. But it's really nothing complicated. You know most of this already, but you, you, you could not write it on paper. Uh, and having big data, you better know what your code does. With the small data, you can often do (coughs) exhaustive enumeration. Having big data, you can't exhaustively enumerate, as we will witness. Uh, Okay, so uh, how many stars in the sky? You could do, think that image analysis could be one of the places to count every possible type of object, uh, classify them, group them. all these and these are. Similar stars somehow count everything. Quite often, the, the data mining is about counting. Uh, you could count every type of object, and then you could start asking, maybe that okay around those stars, uh, what is also nearby? Some correlations or relationships in the data. I like the, did you see this smiling in the space? How we found this? Found this. You can see what types of objects there are, different galaxies having different uh, sizes and shapes, not only stars but galaxies, Uh, so counting all types of things. Uh, So we are back to data mining. uh, uh, Reasoning why, of course, is the growth of data uh, from business, science, society, from all kinds of uh, sources, and uh, we want to automatize uh, the analysis. Uh, If you think of the science in general, sort of, until 15th, 16th, 17th century, just empirical observations, quite often empirical observations, then lots of theories were generated from uh, uh, 17th, uh, starting from 17th century, so theory became very important. And with the advent of computers, One can start doing computations, right? So we have agreed, uh, generally, that we don't explode nuclear bombs uh, because this is bad for the Earth, but we compute what would happen with that. And we better be very sure about that computation models are very accurate descriptions of the underlying principles, mechanisms. So we can start doing computations in science. And now a lot of uh, things are being collection of uh, data and then trying to make sense out of that data. Sort of data human science. data human science has maybe this is a bit philosophical, but it has generated some shift in science. That The good science is that you have the hypothesis and then you test. Yeah. You have some new theory, hypothesis, and then you make the experiment. Right? You learn how to verify some by one single experiment, some hypothesis, right? But in, if you collect data, you don't have that hypothesis uh, to to start with. You can have many different things coming out of the data. So data-driven science sometimes is slightly different from uh, from hypothesis-driven science, and there has been some frictions between the fields. Sort of, why would you collect data if you don't know what you are going to ask for the data? I'm going to ask from the data, does it reveal us anything? If there is something, then we will find that (coughs) totally, right? But you don't know what what are you going to get. So life is a box of chocolates, you never know what you are going to get. Uh, We are dealing with the data, so you have to somehow think about the database technologies (coughs) as they have evolved. From 1960s, collecting data, you can collect data in different ways, you can store it in text files or just files somehow, but you needed to start with developing some databases, right? Uh, information management systems, well, network database management systems, whatever, somehow make data, organize data. Only in 1970s, relational data model was developed. Now you know SQL by heart, but 1970s relation data model, oh, there is this mathematical thing of the relations that you can do the the joins, etc. You get new sets. This relation data model was described in 1970s. And it took like 10, 15 years until the first commercial database management systems appeared. And very important thing was there that Instead of these mathematical relations, sets, uh, it was developed uh, this uh, SQL, the query language, that basically does, in the simpler term, these mathematical operations. Uh, so, relational database management systems in the 1980s, commercial ones. And then all the kinds of transactions and locking and all these kinds of features what, uh, were built in. All these ACID data model, atomicity, and uh, etc. Um, then started that uh, extending these models. Objective uh, well, object-oriented databases. We have objects with attributes and relations. let all those objects. Deductive. What is deduction? Anyone? <coughs> what is a deductive data? You know that, right? um, you know that uh, it's new the the You have facts, so you have some relationships, uh, and then you make some new deductions, right? right? You define what is the meaning of the parent and the grandparent, and then you can define all the, uh, based on some, only parent relations, you can define the grandparents. Right? You don't put in the database that uh, this person was that one's grandparent, because that can be deducted from the parent-parent relationship. So all the logical uh, uh, logic programming, etc. In fact, uh, they are, this relation database management system, it's, it's like uh, you can have this uh, uh, data log, which is prolog-like uh, language, Uh, to access the data, and build in the uh, rules. From these rules we can derive new facts. Who is whose grandfather? And then applications kicked in, like uh, you can't fit all the spatial geographic information in uh, traditional database management system, let's do some specific, uh, specific data types. And then when the data was already quite large, then these 1990s data mining, data warehousing, uh, online analytical processing was developed, the concepts were developed in the (coughs) 1990s. Then uh, modern multimedia, etc. So web was developed in the 90s, right? Now in the 2000s you have stream uh, data, continuous streams of incoming data, kinds of web uh, technologies, XML, lots of data is in XML. Uh, so all the database management systems for XML, etc. So somehow from the early well this is very generic computational history, right? Early days you have, well yes and you had already networks. In the, in the beginning you had just a single computer and had to, be able to do everything with it. You have a network, you have a server, you have a client, fat client, you develop uh, client-server architectures. Then with the web, it became uh, the thin client, that everything sits on the server, very lightweight, standardized access to that. Uh, then service-oriented ar- architectures, web services, offering uh, services from one machine to the other. And now we go mobile, cloud, uh, well, is this the logical tracking here? You can argue. But the technologies, like, uh, like in 1990s, online analytical processing, Web business intelligence, interactive reports, dashboards, visual analysis, mobile business intelligence, cloud business intelligence, search business intelligence. They all build on kind of data analysis uh, uh, type of things. I did mention that in the last lecture. ETL was what? Who remembers ETL, the acronym? Export, Transform, and Load. So different types of ways how you export data, transform, and and put them into the databases. Database management systems have uh, have been going from single machine, multi-processing, multi-machine, parallel processing, kind of on the distribute data on multiple databases or multiple computers, um, and now all these all these. Uh, Uh, distribution of the computations, uh, map-reduce that, or Hadoop, uh, and uh, some companies are already moving away the from, from these map-reduce type of things. of no SQL pass, uh when you don't want to put data in this set-relation. Uh, okay, so you can imagine what, what how much uh, we anybody can cover in a single course. You, have, you need to understand somehow the basic foundations of, of some things and then you make logical connections in your head, right? Uh, I, I keep reiterating why the data analysis, but this graph, that the explosive growth of data at uh, I'm not sure if this 98% growth rate per year is, is even adequate. There are many cases where the data growth have been... Like, if computers get faster, twice, twice faster, you have more, more gates on the, on the CPU at the same cost. Every one and a half years. Then there are many data types which grow double every six months, six months, six months. By one and a half years, you have eight times more data. And two times faster computer. In 10 years, your computer will be 64 times faster, but you have a million times more data at these rates. Plus, the amount of people who deal with the data. That is the bottleneck. So, that's why you are here. Uh, then, data mining is really. Entire process is somehow said that this is the uh, data mining. Going from the underlying data sources, uh, selecting the appropriate data, pre-processing, uh, making it compatible with each other. From you get data from different sources, you have to somehow harmonize, bring them together, make it compatible, clean it up, so that you can actually transform it to some basic form where you can do pattern discovery, sort of like do the actual algorithms so on. <laughs> And then uh, derive some new uh, <coughs> knowledge, uh, bring that to the human use. So looking up the phone number in phone directory directory is a database query. It's not a data mining. Or just fetch me all the pages that have Amazon in them is not data mining. But the same uh, analogs <coughs> like where do the Irish people live in the states? Or Do we find some regions which are enriched by some types of names uh, in state of mining? Or think of the Google search Amazon, you don't want to get only about Amazon.com because you need to do the schoolwork in geography for your kid uh, about Amazon River, right? So fetching all the documents, clustering them together by the concepts, which is about the rainforest and the river, and which are about the companies, that is kind of that takes some processing and understanding what the concepts are in the data. So Google of course uh, needs to do a lot of data mining uh, uh, in order to serve not only the web search but also lots of other things like self-driving cars. So again we need statistics, AI, uh, probabilities are uh, some foundations of the statistics really. Artificial intelligence kind of create new uh, knowledge, maybe sometimes deduct or, or plan. Machine learning, pattern recognition, database systems. We have the data. We apply these different techniques. So that's broadly here. So it, and of course, every individual may have one strong foot in one area or some other area. So you need to know. Something how to bridge barriers and something about, uh, about those areas, each area. So in data mining, uh, we have kind of two types of tasks describe the data, describe the script, descriptive data mining, and describe what is in the data. Somewhere. It's a very broad thing. And the other is predict, predict something, some new events. Uh, We will, while classifying people to good and bad customers, or whom to give the loan or not, if you want to classify clustering, what types of customers do I have? I don't have only good and bad, I I may have, I don't know how many types of customers you have. Uh, We will look today at association, association group discovery, start with this topic. Um, then statistical regression, uh, outlier detection, etc. Machine learning is also a long running discipline. When we want to predict something, then um, people need programs to learn to play uh, games, checkers. Uh, in 1960s, the neural networks were first described. One neuron. What is a neuron? Perceptor. Neuron is a perceptron that gets inputs, makes a weighted sum out of the inputs, and gives the output based on that. Right? You take all the inputs, you <coughs> apply the weights, you sum them up. If you are above the threshold, you have one. If you are below, you have zero. Output. Goes to the next phase. Single neuron can't do much, and uh, and actually. By saying that a single neuron count too much, uh, a lot of neural network research was stopped for a long period of time. Um, In 1970s, people started to build expert systems. Oh, but doctors know the rules: this and this and this. That diagnosis, right? Let's just extract the rules from the people's heads and write them up as a program. Make let's (laughs) make expert systems by extracting. The rules from the experts, putting them in the machine, and everything works. And then we figure out that actually the human mind is not only by rule, we have lots of intuition. We don't even know how to become up with the with the solutions, right? Uh, Decision trees uh, kind of learning uh, in the 1970s, actually it has come back in the name of random forests when you have a Single tree, maybe the power is not so nice, but if you collect them in the ensemble, lots of trees make a forest. So let's make a random forest out of the small uh, decision trees. So machine learning was evolving through the neural networks, again in the 1980s, multi layer neural networks, different ways how to train the neural networks. Theory this is probability. Hack learning is. Probably. Probably. Probability isn't there. Probably approximately correct. Approximately correct means that it's not... We can't be sure, it's approximate. Approximately correct with a high probability. We want to learn something that with a high probability is approximately correct. And if if we can estimate the body's approximation, how big is the error margin, With a high probability, if you find something that is almost correct. (coughs) Uh, But lots of theoretical considerations. How many examples do we need to have? Based on the two tosses in here, heads and heads, you made the prediction that the next one will be forever heads. Two examples is not enough to make predictions about future. Humans are very good at from a very few examples generalizing. We don't even know how to make computers that generalize as good as humans from so few examples. Uh, Data mining kind of field in the middle of all of this somehow saying that yes, we have some statistics methods, we have some machine learning but now we are entering the era of, of really big data. We need to think about the algorithms how to make these machine learning algorithms, statistical methods, scale to large data. But it's really about the methods of the statistics, or machine learning, or these basic principles. And and one way to simplify that is, or maybe simple-minded thinking, is that we take these methods and we make them scale. You can't make them scale unless you know what the method is, right? So we, we can work with a small example to understand what the methods are, and then you can think about how to scale them for larger scale. Uh, inductive logic programming. There is deduction in the logic programming. We, we have the facts, we have the rules, we know apply the deduction. we know the, the, the next fact What the heck would be inductive logic programming? It's kind of using the logic programming frameworks, like no logic programming facts and some relationships. You define relationships, but in inductive logic programming, you, some of the relationships you try to discover, right, or generate, induce from the data, I use this somehow. I don't know if this is 100% sure, but I apply some heuristics, uh, some we come up with some new rules based on the examples. Like, I give. I, I you have the, the same example of the, of the parents and persons and parent relationships. And then you say that, oh, but, but this person is that one's grandparent, and this one is a grandparent of that one. If you have a couple of these technicians, you try to figure out, oh, but grandparent relationship is when you have A to B to C, parent to parent. Right? You come up with a rule that grandparent has always been just parent of the parent. That is something that you, you, you say that this is some, uh, somebody's grandparent, and the induction means that you discover what is a rule, right? Ensemble learning is something that is... You know the thing by a different name, it's the wisdom of the crowd. Collectively, if I ask you about something, there is probably, you don't know this one, you don't know the answer. You may vaguely think that this is the answer, whatever, right? But you know something else. Collectively, almost whatever I would ask, like majority of you would know the answer. Right? I would get correct answers for almost all the questions. Uh, so ensembles means that we can combine the individual weak performers together and have the collective wisdom of the crowd. Uh, then in 2000s support vector machines is something that is kind of very mathematical concept that uh, I'll, I'll show you positive examples and negative examples and you have to fix a mathematical thing. To separate the two. But here are the good guys in the two-dimensional space, here are the bad guys. fit me the best separator between the two, so that I, I know for sure that this is good and this is bad. Data is not so that it's so obvious that this is positive examples, these are negatives, data is sometimes mixed. Data is not separable by a single line, it's a linear separation with a single line or In the hyperspace, it's a hyperplane through the space. You are on one side or you are on the other side of the plane. What support vector machines added to this uh, thinking of the single uh, line or hyperplane is that they added some trips uh, that transform the underlying data into small dimensional spaces into high dimensional spaces and something that is a very complex shape in in small-dimensional space may become a linearly separable data in high-dimensional space. And it's possible to optimize, use mathematics to make the best separation between the classes by kernel methods. Then the Bayesian probability-related methods I already, already mentioned the random forests. And now, over the last couple of years, there has been lots of success in mining uh, using uh, deep learning techniques, uh, deep mine and deep learning. It's actually taking these neural networks to the extreme. When you have a single neuron, you could have in here two or three, la- well, three layers of neurons, some hidden layer in between, inputs. Hidden layer outputs. Then I think this deep uh, learning you can make huge, really huge neural networks. Like in the brain, it's it's a really huge uh, set of uh, neurons. You can go to billions of uh, neurons, and with an, uh, current machines, you can actually uh, try to train them. First, uh, just for example, showing lots of pictures, and it will train itself. Uh, so these machine learning techniques are all, in a way, relevant to data mining because they all somehow allow us to predict the future. If you plug it in in the correct step in the data mining process, we can use them all. Right? This is all in the data uh, in the toolbox of uh, data miners. So data mining is really. Uh, another term, knowledge discovery from data. That's what we try to do. Right? Knowledge discovery, describe the data or learn the rules that predict uh, something new. Uh, of course, you can invent lots of name, like data archaeology. Right? Um, you have digital graveyards unless your data uh, unless you mine those data. Uh, So this is important that that this process is is in here, that you start from underline, you make the database not for mining purposes, you make the database around the business. The the shops need to sell goods, right? You just do it for this sales event, transaction, right? And you have many stores and many many chains, maybe they have their different um, (coughs) cashier systems, right? You have the data that is original for the for the business, but then when you collect the data together, you clean them up, you make, make them harmonize somehow, all this data cleaning, export transform load processes, then you bring them together in, in a common format, uh, maybe less specific task, and then you apply some algorithms, including all the machine learning or pattern discovery, and then you uh, show the results. Oh, I have discovered this. If we, if we target the next campaign to this, instead of 1 million people, if we target that to those 10,000 people, that is much more cost efficient, right? Uh, the political parties uh, have started to use these kinds of things, I think. If, if you start finding the influencers, then maybe you target only a few influencers who will bring all the crowd with them. Okay, so, uh, I have said that many times, we go from data sources, database administrators know how their data is organized, maybe some data comes from paper files, different web documents, scientific experiments, database systems, this is sort of like close to the data. Database administrators, uh, then data reprocessing, integration, data warehouses, data exploration by statistical summaries, querying, reporting, trying to find something. Information discovery is that, well, I think this is put in here, but in general I consider data mining as an entire process, right? So data mining somehow information discovery, And then visualization and visual results you can bring to the decision makers, if they are people, uh, so that this has to be, everything that you find has to be made very crystal clear in the presentation at the end, right? Otherwise, nobody is going to believe you, or don't even, doesn't even understand what you are talking about. If you show the big sheet of numbers, what the heck? I can't find anything from there. It has to be visualized, visualized to make decisions. Uh, I think I, I did mention this collaborative filtering. This is uh, something where uh, where companies are really. Uh, Aiming decision making for the computer system for the businesses directly. Analyzing a lot of Amazon or or whatever the big business when many consumers use something, then you try to make predictions for the other people. Uh, So Netflix was used to be a DVD renting house, just sending the DVDs, (coughs) and they had collected the uh, rating uh, numbers for the DVDs that this family loved this and this movie. A fact from many families, in fact, uh, they presented the data set that half a million customers, nearly 20,000 movies, having hundred billion ratings. Half a million times 20,000 is, uh, of course not everybody watched 18,000 movies, but everybody was watching one, two, or several hundred. So, this is a very sparse matrix of ratings. One, two, three, four, five stars. Uh, how many movies you have watched? So, everybody individually watches few, but collectively there are many. And the task was to fill in the gaps. How would you possibly rate, <coughs> if you have seen 100 movies, how would you rate the remaining? Seventeen thousand nine hundred. So they presented the challenge and said that we have in-house algorithm to predict seventeen thousand nine hundred values. If you have, if you give me your hundred ratings, I will give you the seventeen thousand nine hundred values. You without even watching those movies, and we know how good they are doing in-house. The competition was about could you improve their in-house method by 10%? 10% margin, 5 and 4 I rate, you love the movie at 5, the truth is 4, that is already 25, 20% difference, right? But on average, just 10%, doing 10% better than they did. Uh, public uh, competition. If if somebody can beat our 10 percent mark, they will get one million bucks. And hundreds of teams started to compete, and that lasted for many several years. Nobody could beat the 10 percent mark. And the rules were was uh, uh, that these 2.8 million ratings. So based on those, they knew the actual ratings, and they could actually measure Right? I give you back. Okay, now you are doing this group. Now, now you are slightly better than previous time. And if somebody would exceed the 10% uh, improvement, then the competition would call a halt, stop, and the winning team would get a million bucks. I am not telling you everything in here. Uh, so everybody had this data. And uh, you would submit your, uh, how was that technically done, I don't, uh, I have to figure it out. Uh, everybody was given this data. And then they submitted their predictions, uh, prediction code or something, and then they got only back how good they performed on this blue data. Right. So the next time you can get slightly better. And slightly better you, get, you know the benchmark. What is wrong with this process? You know that, but uh, did they, did everybody understand? If, if I get the feedback that this is better, I could I could start tuning it. Okay, I just Change one place that I give in one case instead of four instead of five I give four right? I get a better score and then I try with the other with the three values. I get a better score I could start fine tuning this to the extreme and just beat the numbers that are in here I can somehow discover what the numbers were because I, if I could do it like zillions of times 2.8 million ratings uh, five choices each I would only do 10 million. Submissions and I would get the perfect score Right But have you learned anything? How do we solve the problem of public competition of this kind of data mining competitions or machine learning? How do you solve the problem? Okay, you can say I'm not going to accept 10 million submissions from anyone Random subsets of type data So the truth is that they had another similar data set that was put in the back wall somewhere away, right? Nobody would know that. So the competition is called STOP. Yes, we reached the 10% increase benchmark, we stop. Actually, it was more complicated. Then they said that then after that, there is one month period that anybody can still develop their code. Right? People know that somebody has beaten the 10% mark. The competition is going to be stopped for one month. And what happened? All the other teams teamed up. We can't let those people win. Right? All the other teams teamed up against them, trying to be. We have one month you did pretty well, you, you got 90%, well, nine, well, 9%, I got 7%, I got uh, 5%, let's bring all the ideas together, let's try to beat these assets. Uh And then after a month, the final code had to be ready, and then you opened up from the, from the vault this new data, and the winning team was only on that single instance of data that nobody had seen. You train data, you test data, normally you just train and you assess how good you do in the the test case, and then from those two numbers you have to somehow predict how well you are going to do on the next instances. You have to be very honest in here. (coughs) You can't do this. Let's let's just change one rating and try to figure out what the heck was in here, right? It's not this. You have to. You really ask about the future, about this good health data. And uh, yeah, okay. If that was not uh, enough, one million prize then. Three million was awarded for. Uh, for I don't. I don't know the state of this competition at the moment. Yeah, but three million for competing teams. Who can predict how many hospitalizations there will be next year, and what types of hospitalizations there will be next year? This is really valuable because if you can if you can really predict that very well, then you can uh, then you can. Uh, Uh, run your business, your hospital. Being business, you can run it better, right? Uh, but that collected lots of healthcare data. Did they get the money year after the results, like when the predictions were? Uh, Which one, the hospital? Yeah. So. The I, I, I think happen. I think this hospital case has lots of uh, like uh, intermediate wins uh, as well. If, if there was actually st- stages, and. As I said, you can go for that, but I don't know at the moment. This is Heritage Health Prize. But constantly they're running competitions on Kaggle, constant new machine learning competitions. Um, so this kind of thing is uh, quite popular. <coughs> if you think of the Netflix, this one million prize, all the universities, industries, collectively, they put thousands of people somehow thought about this problem, and they invested Way more money for that topic in general than 1 million. For a company that was to get lots of bright minds all over the world and they only gave out 1 million. So only some of them. So this competition is very, remote, is actually very attractive for, for many businesses. Because they got it very cheap. They got this collective wisdom very cheap. Uh, OK, in the information retrieval, page rank has been one of the algorithms to try to figure out what are the important pages. Uh, sometimes this page ranking is thought, uh, thought that this is part of data mining. It kind of is, because out of all the graph to tell what are the most important nodes in here, in the social network or in the web, this is also kind of a, a mining task either social network analysis or uh, web link analysis, trying to understand all the important stuff and all the scam. All the big farms, all the fraud that's going on with the internet advertising, uh, lots of money involved. So, understanding the the, uh, the fraud from the real behavior, all the, all the Frosters is very important. So uh, again, most, most of the process is a long process. There is no single silver bullet. So there is no single hammer that fixes everything. Right? There is no single single technique that will take you through every type of problem. Uh, in the course, we start with the frequent item sets. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really doing much slower than I was thinking. So, frequent writing sets, uh, we start from this, but then uh, there will be about data preprocessing, processing, meaning lots of sort of like describing data, uh, uh, visually sort of uh, descriptive analysis, then clustering, uh, grouping data, uh, the statistical correlations of condition probabilities, they are all over the place in a way, machine learning, some. Uh, some uh, scratching the surface of machine learning, uh, some scratching the surface of visualization, uh, then what the online analytical processing is, uh, how, to, how, uh, how to do the, uh, the, this uh, uh, from the relation to the database, uh, the analy- analytics. I don't, text, I, I don't remember if we had anything planned for the free text uh, processing, the natural language processing needed in, in the text mining and uh, probably we need to stop somewhere in here. Uh, and and uh, as, as last time I said, we actually tried to uh, work on those things with the real data from healthcare, from... Uh, I was promised by by a mobile group to get some data uh, for us, for, for students, so that we can make some, uh, some analysis of the real uh, data for some uh, groups. Um, So we hopefully get uh, real data sets. Okay. uh, Any questions at this stage? Before we go to frequent item sets. Descriptive analytics, I already said, tries to somehow summarize the data. How to summarize this data? This is uh, eight sets of numbers, and you can think of these as representing uh, sorry seven seven rows. Uh, seven sets of numbers from 1 to 8. You uh, could <coughs> be a of these. Well, you can... Yeah, but... You don't know anything about what the what the numbers mean, right? Actually, they are sort of like, like items. They could be something that I, I call an on always 1. On Anne one." 1. These are called set of items. Uh, items or elements, in, in here it's the names of the people, it could be the courses that you have taken, it could be the courses that you have taken, it, you go to the grocery store and buy five bottles uh, of uh, beer, uh, oh, no, five, I was thinking five bottles of whiskey for some reason, you, have, you, you, you buy some things, some items, right? In one transaction, in the shopping basket transaction you buy five, well, bread, butter, milk, uh, and of course, you buy diapers. Uh, just set of uh, elements. Yeah? So set of set of elements in one transaction. Uh, if these are people, you could say that these five people went out to movies together. Yeah? And uh, some other time, well, these are the movie-going people. Who and, and then you could ask, okay, who are the friends in here? What are, the, what, what are the biggest trends? Or you could ask if these are the courses that you, you, and you, and you have, have taken, so which courses are more alike? Or which courses are, well, most commonly taken together? <coughs> so we have boiled many possible questions down to very simple data representation where we have uh, where we have transactions or uh, collections, which are just a set of numbers, and we have in this database we have seven such sets. Right? If these are sets, then the order does not matter, right? In the set, the order does not matter. So we could as well sort them. One, two, three, six, well, just numerically, right? Do we now know which elements go together frequently? Or can somebody bought these books, somebody bought those books? If I now come in as a customer, which books I should be recommended? People bought frequently these set of items. Okay, do you see any patterns in there? How can we find patterns in this case? How can we find which books are often sold together? Or if you like these ones, you would also like these ones. Where they repeat... Sorry? Where they repeat... for example, I don't know if 3 and eight are
1: Frequently together. Yeah, yeah, so that is the task. We have to
0: start counting every possible group how frequently they are together. How frequent is every possible set, subset of items. That's why we call it frequent item mining, Finding frequently occur, co-occurring item item sets in those transaction sets. These are individual transactions, and we have to find a way how to efficiently count every possible frequent item set uh, in here. Which things go together frequently? Uh, So, of course, uh, by frequency you could start. okay, which element is most frequent in the data? Because one is one, two, three times, six occurs, one, two, three, four, five times. Six occurs five times. Just by frequency, six is the most common in uh, Sets of size one, item, frequencies. If the new customer comes, you, you will say, Oh, don't divide by the book number six. Because that is the most frequent book. This is our Best selling book. Right? This is already a long way, actually. Right. Very simple thing. The most frequent element. Uh, uh, this data. What, you could you could start <laughs> playing some tricks or somehow say, okay, it's really hard for me to visually see which, which things go together. Let's just highlight some numbers. 3 and 6. It's easier for you to look. These are these transactions just in Excel. I've 3 and 6 in 2 columns. Is there a relationship between 3 and 6? Or what type of relationship? There's no 3 without 6. So, yeah. You could start saying they occur together one, two, three, four times, right? The frequency is four out of seven. This is frequent. The six individual would be five out of seven, three individual would be four out of seven, and whenever three occurs, six occurs. Conditional probability, well, I'm I'm stretching a little bit. Conditional probability of six seeing three is 100%. Whenever I see uh, three, There are six. So if you are organizing party, you know that whenever three comes, six shows up. And once three fell ill, six still thought that she would come. In order for me to get six into the party, I just need to invite three. Because always six will be there. Right? What is the business case? Let's spend as little on advertising cost as possible. Let's just divide 3 or tell uh, the, the pretty lady that entrance is for free. The 6 will come and buy lots of drinks anyway. Uh, what is the conditional probability of 3 having 6? 5 cases when 6 is there, and 4 times 3 is there, so it's 4 over 5, right? It's 80% conditional probability. From 6, with 80% confidence, we somehow may imply that 3 would be there, okay? It's just a correlation. We, it, actually, I should not make uh, jump up. You should have said that, but this is just correlation. It doesn't mean which one is the, the cause and which is the consequence or somehow, which is the causality between the thing? Which one causes the other? Or is it just random coincidence by some, or, or something that somebody else told both to be there, right? You don't know why they are there. It's just some kind of correlation, right? uh, And that's what we can find out from the data. You can find out from the data some correlations not, not what causes the other, right? Or the other way around. That is kind of left to the interpretation in the human mind perhaps okay here we've made the uh, conclusion that three and six somehow have been together frequently and we may jump ahead and say that what is the uh, what is the <coughs> confidence of observing one knowing already the other right? uh, this is the same data just now trying to highlight every different number. eights are in here three ones uh, can you find any other Relationships in the data. And I apologize if you don't see the difference between the colors, uh, which statistically one or two from you may have that problem. You don't need to reveal yourself, but I apologize nevertheless. And now we need to train the algorithm to do all the counting, right? We we need to do the algorithm, Uh, and even you know that from here visually you may not be able to detect somehow, you will need to start putting some uh, things on paper counting. Uh, This representation is just uh, as a row as is, but uh, you could think of this as a matrix, where you have transactions, seven transactions, you have eight possible uh, items, so items that is one two three is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 6, and 8, 1, 2, 3, 6, and 8, which uh, just indicate which items uh, have been in the first transaction, or shopping basket, for It's called shopping basket analysis, Often, so this transaction is one single shopping basket. And this, in the supermarket, of course, you have thousands of products, and every single shopping basket has tens or maybe hundreds, right? So it will be a very sparse matrix, but it is still the, the matrix where you just identify which ones have in there together. Just a, a bit, think, there, uh, together. Uh, just representation issue, maybe from here you can detect more. I, I, I'm not sure. About it. There is no really hidden messages, I think, in here. But maybe this allows you to find the correlations between these attributes. Actually, finding, uh, finding all kinds of relationships in the in the you could think of these uh, in the database serves as attributes uh, values finding functional relationships in the uh, data, between the data attributes is uh, something that can be easily uh, very complex uh, if you have height and weight and uh, body mass index then body mass index can be calculated from height and weight right it's the function you can always derive that. And here we have items present or not, and maybe based on one or two items present or not, you can predict the, the some other. Right? Think of think of the different error messages thrown by the ATM machine or whatever the machine. Are. This thing breaks down. This thing breaks down. That thing will break down soon. Right? Or Immediately. Yeah. There can be something underlying data can be meaning many many different things. This and this happens, this always will happen, right? Or with very high probability, very quick, everything will crash. Uh, so we need to count every possible item set. I'm, I'm using now switching the slides. The same thing, transaction IDs, market basket, basket transactions, these are items put together. Uh, like the item sets, and what we are after is can we make some predictions, if somebody is sent to the shop to buy diapers, uh, of course uh, he would also buy the beer for the evening. Uh, in Finland the, the discussion was if you buy, once you buy the, the beer and sausage, you also buy the mustard. mustard. Or, or or, something like that. Right? So if there are some collections of items that you go shopping for some uh, uh, things in your shopping basket, then you always grab something else, right? Then that, what they're thinking is that maybe that helps the shopkeeper to do something uh, either advertising or, or somehow organizing the shop, although I don't know how to organize exactly, uh, I have not seen this beer and diaper spots well sold together. Uh, they are not brought together uh, in the shop. Even if there is statistical correlation, maybe uh, that men carry heavy clothes and then they carry also the, the, the beer. Okay. So these implications kind of once you have uh, from any item set, you can say that maybe what, well, and this is attempt to say what is the probability or implication that another item set will be bought. Yeah. Like at uh, uh, least 50% of the cases when milk and bread are bought, also eggs and coke are bought. Okay. Kind of implication in here, but it doesn't, we uh, <coughs> derive it from co occurrences, counting the different item sets does not need to be uh, causality, right? it's just some uh, some uh, uh, correlations. So item set could be a subset of these elements, like for example milk, bread and diapers, uh, three elements in item set, k item set has k items, and out of the thousands elements in the stove in store, we could add all the triples that have been bought together, uh, how frequently they have been bought together. K item set contains K items exactly, and then we can count how many transactions in the database have that uh, that uh, item set. So theta support count milk bread and diapers is two milk bread and diapers milk milk bread milk bread and diapers. And diapers. These two, 4 and 5, have both the milk bread and diapers, right? So the support count is 2. When we add uh, double the database, uh, we don't want to know about the 2 or 3, what we care about is the, the percentage that 40% of the cases, uh, these 3 elements occurred on the item, on the transactions. So uh, support count, this is a frequency. But from the frequency you divide frequency by the entire database and you get the support which is the fraction of the data uh, rows that have that item set that's what we are after if you know the frequency uh, then we are after uh, this and in a way we would like to get every possible item set uh, that has exceeds that frequency yeah. so we want to set the minimum support threshold uh, report me everything that is more frequent than five percent of the shop goers find together. Uh, we said about big fibers and gear as items that in theory if we want to make these implications, then we, for the for this we can also count the support every time that how frequently this uh, rule might be applied, what is the support of this rule So this is called association pool, one is item set, but association pool is from one item set, we predict the other item set we have the same thing, support how frequently this thing occurs, actually how frequently all three occur together, and the confidence is this kind of conditional probability estimated, how often, when somebody buys milk and diaper, there could be more, how often uh, those people also buy beer. What is the confidence of from left-hand side to predict the right-hand side? What is the confidence of that? So for the rule, we have the support, how frequent it is, and what is the confidence that, of this prediction. Uh, and, uh, and these are simple uh, simple number uh, counting, knowing the database size and knowing the frequencies. right? And confidence of the support of all three together divided by support of only two elements <coughs> together. Um, I'm running out of in here, I, should, I wanted to... Okay, um, yeah, I, I need to stop in here uh, now. Um, because we are going to look how to, how to count all possible item sets efficiently from the data. Um okay. Um any questions? Uh, then we will see in to be Yes. I will shop the I will